Hello, this is Pastor John Willingham of Doralstown Presbyterian Church. As our podcast audience continues to grow, I want to thank our loyal listeners and welcome those who may have just recently found us. We know that life can quickly become busy, so this podcast offers an on-the-go opportunity to hear Sunday's sermon, along with the scripture lesson read by that day's lay leader or preacher. We also encourage you to visit our website at dtownpc.org to learn more about our church and all of our diverse ministries. Thank you for tuning in. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. And the soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they dressed him in a purple robe. They kept coming up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, striking him on the face. Pilate went out again and said to them, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no case against him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, here is the man. When the chief priests and the police saw him, they shouted, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and crucify him. I find no case against him. The Jews answered him, we have a law. And according to that law, He ought to die because he has claimed to be the Son of God. Now, when Pilate heard this, he was more afraid than ever. He entered his headquarters again and asked Jesus, where are you from? Jesus would not give him an answer. Pilate said to him, do you refuse to speak to me? Do you not know that I have the power to release you and the power to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no power over me unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to release him. But the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are no friend of the emperor. Everyone who claims to be a king sets himself against the emperor. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus outside and sat on the judge's bench at the place called the Stone Pavement, or in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now, it was the day of preparation for the Passover, and it was about noon. He said to the Jews, Here is your king. They cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate asked them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but the emperor. Then he handed him over to them to be crucified. Let us pray. We give thanks, O God, for this moment when we can be still in your presence and ponder those events of long ago. We pray that by the power of your Spirit, we might hear the word that you intend for us on this day and be led to respond with deeds that bring you glory and honor. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. The passage of scripture that we just heard read contains what I would argue is the most painful scene in the entirety of the Bible. It describes events that led toward an unjust outcome. John writes it in such a way that enables us to hear the emotion of that scene, the fear and the anger, the derision. It is a scene in which, despite repeated attempts to release an innocent man, the crowd will have nothing to do with anything less than his death. Thus, in many ways, it describes for us the worst of human behavior. And yet, in the midst of that description, it also gives us an incredible glimpse of courage. During the season of Lent, we are reflecting upon those moments in the final hours of Jesus' life when he is handed over from one person or group to another. Thus far, we have recalled how one of his own, Judas, handed Jesus over to the religious leaders, and how in the moment of the arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane, those leaders, guards and soldiers, took Jesus away and then handed him over first to one chief priest and then to another. From that moment, Jesus is then handed over to Pontius Pilate, the governor or prefect of the region of Judea. And all of this happened in a matter of hours. We began at that time with Pilate last week when we saw how that man took center stage and yet how he kept moving from outside the headquarters or praetorium to the inside. He would come out and listen to the group. He would go in and talk to Jesus and then come back out and share what he had discovered. And so we heard of how Pilate learned of the anger of these religious leaders, went in and talked to Jesus, and then came back out and said, I find no case against him. In that moment, he gave the crowd an option of Pilate either releasing Jesus or Barabbas, one who is described as a bandit. And the voices in the crowd choose the latter man to be set free. We pick up the narrative at that very moment. As Pilate then goes back inside and has Jesus flogged by the soldiers. If that beating wasn't painful enough, those soldiers then put on this purple robe they make a crown of thorns and push it down on Jesus' head and begin to slap him on the face and shout, Hail, King of the Jews! Pilate lets that go on for a while and then takes Jesus with him as he goes back outside and says to the crowd, Here is the man. I find no case against him. And they say, Crucify him. Crucify him Yourself, Pilate answers. And their reply, we are told by John, makes Pilate more afraid than ever. So he goes back inside, takes Jesus again with him, and says, where are you from? His prisoner won't answer. 
Pilate becomes incensed. He says, don't you know? I have the power to free you or to crucify you. And only then does Jesus answer. And John tells us that once Pilate hears those words, he wants even more than ever to let Jesus go free. And yet it is then that he hears this voice from outside shout to him and says, if you release him, you're no friend of the emperor. And so he goes back out again, takes Jesus with him once more, and says, here is the king of the Jews. And they say, crucify him. And Pilate responds, do, do you want me to crucify your king? And these religious leaders answer, we have no king but the emperor. Words that proved what God had been saying in our Old Testament reading centuries before when the people of Israel first demanded a king as what was happening now was his religious representatives on earth were not only rejecting Jesus, but God too. And so our scene ends with the brief words that then he, that is Pilate, handed him over to be crucified. It's a painful scene. And one that in many ways actually makes me have some sympathy for Pilate. It's clear. He declares it multiple times. He knows that Jesus is innocent. And yet, he does not have the courage to stand up to those voices that are shouting for his death. We can look back on that scene from the safety of, of time and, and this space and, and be critical of Pilate, and, and he deserves it in some ways. And yet, historians tell us that Pilate actually had already invoked the wrath of Rome several times before, and seemingly always when involved how he handled the Jews, a couple times rebellions he had to put down, and so Pilate had every reason to believe on that day if this spun out of control he'd be removed as governor. And so reluctantly, he became complicit in allowing Jesus to die. He didn't have the courage that was needed to stand up. My hunch is that most of us can think of times when that could be said of us as well. Maybe it wasn't a time when we were standing before an angry mob, but rather when, when classmates are ridiculing one of their own because of their gender identity makes them uncomfortable. Maybe for us it's not a time when we have a decision to make of life and death, but rather on this hotly contested matter that has come before the board and we are the deciding vote. It might not even be when we are with other people, but rather in the privacy of our home and we are working on our taxes and we have to decide if we're going to take this questionable deduction or not. We all have moments when we are urged to be courageous. And there are times, I know it's true for me, 
when Pilate's response rings more true. We see that in that scene. With all the fear, with all of the threats, with all the ways that Pilate was unwilling to stand up to that pressure, and yet, thankfully, he is not the only actor in that narrative. For in the moment when Jesus refuses to answer his question, and Pilate says, don't you know I have the power to release you or to crucify you? And Jesus says, any power you have has come from above. And we can look upon that moment and wonder how Jesus was able to be so strong. How was he able to withstand the unfolding events that were happening before him in a matter that showed such courage? Well, I'm sure part of it arose from the fact that he knew this, in fact, was God's plan. I would suspect part of it, too, came from just his personality. There are other places in the Gospels when we see people all around him growing fearful and Jesus is calm. And yet I suspect that a key part of the way he was able to stand and absorb those blows and see all of this unraveling was due to his knowing that he was not on this painful journey alone. In her book, Thus Far on the Way, Presbyterian minister Eileen Lindner recalls another biblical moment when courage was needed. It's a scene that happened centuries before Jesus' trial when Joshua is about to become the leader of Israel. Imagine what it had to been like for that man to follow Moses. Moses, the one who brought them out of slavery. Moses, the one who led them through the Red Sea. Moses, the one who'd gone up to the mountain and received the Ten Commandments from God. Moses, who had brought them to the verge now of the promised land. It's hard for me to believe Joshua didn't have moments of wondering if he was up to the task. And Lindner talks about that moment and describes how in the midst of that, how God says this to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed, for I, the Lord your God, am with you wherever you go. So Lindner then responds and reflects on those words. When I was a child, she said, I was afraid of something. I don't remember what it was. It might have been dragons, might have been thunderstorms, might have been roller coasters, might have been my big brother. I don't remember. But someone said to me, Eileen, you have to have courage. And I said, what does that mean? Do I have any of that? Well, courage is not the absence of fear, that same voice continued. Courage is the ability to go on in spite of your fears. I pondered that for some time, she said. And then I heard a different explanation in my seminary years when someone said, courage is fear that has said its prayers. Saying your prayers doesn't make fear go away, she continues, does it? Prayer doesn't automatically make you go on in spite of the fear, but when we pray, 
when we say we're not in this alone, when we say, oh Lord, share this burden, when we say, pick up my portion, I'm trembling, when we say, I'm not certain, I'm afraid, I'm lost, I'm not sure where to go, then, she says, courage comes to us. Because the voice of the Almighty says to us, as he said to Joshua, it's all right, go ahead, be afraid. Doesn't God, in essence, say to Joshua, if I were in your place, I would be afraid too. But I am with you. God doesn't say it's not going to be scary. God just says we will be accompanied on the journey. I suspect that much of the courage that Jesus demonstrated on that day long ago arose from his certainty that his father would go with him that he would be accompanied in all this painful journey, however it unfolded. And I remain convinced that for you and me too, there are moments when we see courage that inspire us. Amidst all of the troubling images from the invasion of Ukraine, I have continued to be drawn to the glimpses of courage evidenced in that country. Of a president who refuses to leave and, and go to a safe neighboring country, but instead to continue overseeing the defense from within his headquarters. Of the Ukrainian army, dramatically outnumbered, and yet the ways they continue to stand up and even have regained some territory. Of the glimpses of civilians, who live in communities that the Russian forces have overcome and how they go up to those soldiers and scold them. And then there is seven-year-old Amelia Anisevich. Last Sunday, she stood up in the Atlas Arena in Lodz, Poland to sing. Three weeks earlier, she had been in a bomb shelter in Kiev with her family, with others. And whether she decided on her own to do this or someone asked her, she began to sing. So this seven-year-old began to sing Let It Go from Disney's Frozen, and yet, ironically, she sang it in Russian. Someone in that bomb shelter pulled out their cell phone and recorded it and posted it on Facebook. And I hoped that I would be able to show it to you this morning, but copyright won't let me do that. And so I will cite my source in this manuscript and encourage you later to go look for yourself. This article was speaking of how Amelia then was invited to sing at this fundraising event. I'm not sure how the organizers of that moment knew her, knew that she was now a refugee in Poland. She had come there with her grandmother. Her father had stayed behind to engage in the fight. The mother, Lilia, soon was reunited with her child. But last Sunday, 
that seven-year-old walks to the middle of this stage, 10,000 people are there to help raise funds for the now two million Ukrainian refugees that live in their land. And that child, in this angelic voice, sang the Ukrainian national anthem, which I'm told that the title literally means Ukraine has not yet perished. Afterwards, her mother was interviewed by a reporter who said this about her daughter. Everyone was very worried that she would be worried. And when Amelia went to the stage, you could hear her say into the microphone, nightmare, nightmare. <laughs> but she reconciled those feelings and sang. Her happy grandmother, Vera, was watching in the hall. Is there a grandmother out there who would not be proud of her granddaughter in that moment? Looking for courage? We see it in that seven-year-old. We see it in the response of Jesus long ago. And when we are able to be confident that God goes with us in every moment, we can see it in ourselves, too. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give thanks for that strength that arises that clearly has come from beyond ourselves. We give thanks for the ways it is you working in us to bring about something we never imagined we could do. Help us to act with courage in the ways that you would have us do, always pointing back to you. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today. Once again, I invite you to check out dtownpc.org for information about our worship and programming for all ages.